0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Happy Dystopian. I'm here again with Ferdi.
1: Ferdi, how are you doing? Hey everybody, uh, hi Miras, uh, thanks again for having me on. I'm uh, doing well. This uh, Saying this in the new year 2022, new opportunities, new chances for everyone, so uh, it's good to be back. It's been a long time since our last uh, session. Absolutely. Uh, lots of, a lot has changed uh, by now. Yeah, well, so
0: happy new year. Uh, you yeah, as well, to the viewers as well. Yes, All
1: absolutely. Best of
0: wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot has changed, but uh, also
1: it hasn't gotten less interesting, uh, I think. Definitely not, right? So uh, here we are, like uh, about uh, nine months after we had our first uh, session. Yeah, I think so. Talking yeah. about inflation uh, coming up. And now, uh, of course, the numbers for 2021 are settled and uh, it's been beyond, uh, well, at least my expectations uh, at the beginning of uh, last year. So now we're in stage two. Inflation is here and uh, everyone is panicking. Yeah,
0: I think we have definitely been ahead of the curve on uh, on yep. that one. And I'm actually discussing it a lot with, uh, with other friends and they're saying, okay, anytime Inflation comes up, I'm thinking of you because you were yeah, you already talking about it like a uh, half, half the year The harbor
1: of inflation, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, well, the, the signs were obvious to us, of course, but uh, it, it just goes to prove that people need to see the numbers in reality before they believe any of it. And, uh, well, the numbers have been presented now. Uh, we're still, I, I believe, in this sort of shock phase, you know, where yes. we're hearing about inflation has been, is now the highest in 40 years, but what does it really mean? That's not yet clear to most people. It's so such a
0: long period, eh? even uh, the Euro, for instance, it hasn't yeah, been there
1: for, uh, for yeah, that period. So it, it, it's never have had this kind of inflation, of course. So the ECB is and I've read some articles and they made the fair point, you know, uh, there is no uh, economist or, or financial expert which is still working which has also, you know, encountered such a situation of seven percent uh, inflation oh, because exactly. they are all retired by now. Yeah, and it's an entirely new situation as well. So, uh, a very interesting stage, right? Yeah, I've
0: actually been uh, started a new reading a new book uh, yesterday. It's called uh, "When Money Dies" by right. Adam uh, Ferguson, and the book was actually written in 1975 because in that time there was also. A lot of inflation and it was also s- sort of new to to people yeah and in the book he describes the history of the hyperinflation in germany after the first world war right so he actually published it as like a, a warning a warning yeah. in the 1970s and of course then a lot of measures were taken to to curtail the the inflation but i think now this book has become very
1: Top of mind again in yeah. the 20th uh, uh, yeah, like century. Yeah, like a circle repeating over and over. Uh, maybe uh, this time we are at the edge and uh, who knows what's in store for us, right? Uh, in the coming months, in the coming year, uh, especially uh, with uh, all the asset prices. I feel like right now everyone is very angsty, you know, and they don't know what's going to happen uh, because of the inflation. Uh, people are still refusing to talk about uh, interest rate hikes in Europe. So, what's going to happen at the end of the year, right? Do you think uh, inflation will be the same level, or even higher, or lower? Yeah, well, for sure, uh, if th- if the policy doesn't changes it will just
0: continue to, to become uh, to become higher, uh, not with withstanding some external shocks, you know, to the supply chain. Uh, but in general, if you keep uh, the printing press running, and yeah. the value of money will uh, will decrease. Um, but I think uh, we already touched upon this before. But there is a big rift between the U.S. and Europe. Yeah. In the U.S. they are already taking measures to curtail the inflation, possible rate hikes coming up uh, coming up soon. Yeah, the rift is really expanding right now, uh, right? Especially in the public eye. Uh, exactly. And, and that is also an interesting situation. What if um, the European Union, the eurozone continues to expand the money supply and the U.S. is going to curtail it? Are we going to see
1: some serious movements with the dollar gaining towards... Uh, vis-a-vis the euro. Right, yeah, that the, eventually that's the fear, of course. Uh, I must say, in these times, uh, it's also uncertain. So even the Fed, maybe they'll have to up their game in a few months, you know, and, and, and do even uh, larger rate hikes. But it is very telling, of course, that we're still not talking about it at all. And in the public discourse, the inflation level isn't really associated with the current level of interest. Well, of course, it should be, Yes, as we have said very many, uh, many times. So I still think that for, uh, in order for that capital flight to really occur, then people need to be aware that it's also due to the, the, the policy parameters of the central bank in Europe. But that awareness is not yet here, so I think before that really happens, and before the actual rate hikes you know, happen, uh, we're not going to see that much of it. But of course, also in Europe, the real interest rates in the market are already rising of course because of what the federal reserve is doing and you know eventually we have to follow suit of course
0: yeah you need to be uh, competitive uh, to attract uh, uh, more investments on the other hand what what if we do not follow suit and we continue to have this accommodative uh, environment in the eurozone while in the u.s
1: it's uh, a simple uh, formula i think it can be uh, you know, distilled down to a simple uh, comparison, and that's uh, that a large part of money wants safe investments, even if that means lower returns. But of course, when the returns are so low, they will eventually go to riskier investments. If the US uh, it increases the rate hikes, then riskier or I mean safer investments will become uh, more profitable on yes. average because the supply of money draws back, and riskier investments uh, are less popular for for uh, investors. So, uh, yeah, if I was someone managing a hundred million (laughs) dollars, I was going to, uh, especially in these uncertain times, right? I would definitely move my money away from Europe, where everyone is chasing uh, returns on like crazy green uh, projects and stuff, which don't have any profitability in the long run. I would move my money to the US and buy treasury bonds there. You know, if that's 1% interest, that's better than uh, risking it all here. So that's what's going to happen. There's a difference in, in, in rewarding risk. In the US, risk w- won't be priced as high, and uh, everyone will just move, move into the US because their money is safer there for the same return. That's the risk, and I think once that's going to happen, then the ECB will have to also give investors in Europe a chance to chase those returns in safe uh, investments. But how that's going to unfold and if that's going to unfold this year, you know, such a capital flight effect. I'm not sure we'll we'll first have to see the the, the first rate hike.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it will open up an entirely new asset class which is uh, yeah, yeah, almost out of the picture. When I was studying finance about uh, 10 years ago, they were always saying, okay, you need to put something in stocks, uh, something in, in, the the, bonds. in the bonds. But uh, as the bonds have not had any returns for many years, yeah. that asset class has been
1: out of scope for many people. Yeah, especially in the public eye, it's not been considered at all because it has mostly negative returns uh, uh, in, in the US and in Europe for the yeah. longer. Uh, so it's, bonds.
0: it's interesting for perhaps pension funds or institutional investors, but for retail investors, it has not been part of the,
1: no. of the scope. Right? And our parents, you know, they had like a 4% return or something on those bonds. Uh, then it's a very nice way to put aside some money uh, and, and, and be, be sure it's a safe investment and be sure that you'll get that return. Uh, but for us right now, no way. Yeah, and absolutely. I don't think that a few uh, interest rate hikes are going to make that possible again, because that would just crash the economy, right? If people could invest in bonds for 4%, uh, I, I think a lot of people would take that chance. Uh, a lot of people that are now in stocks, if they can just hold their money for 4% a year, that's what banks were for before, uh, the zero interest rate policy. So if we see uh, a situation where that's possible again, it's going to be mayhem. And uh, so many particular investors right now, right? That just you and me through the Giro and other apps just putting thousands of euros in. Well, if you would get 4% on your savings account, you would consider a, a huge chunk of those investments uh, back to your savings? Possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people would because it's safer in the end, right? It feels safer in any case. Sure, the, the exchange might always go up over a ten year period, but people want uh, the feeling of security with the money in their bank account just growing steadily, but that's not impossible.
0: Yeah, so the, the European Central Bank is also well aware of this so in their last uh uh, press conference they stated okay if we rate the hikes the risk is that uh, the value of uh, stocks will go down i was personally actually a bit shocked by that because i was thinking okay the ecb it's a public institution I should be concerned about uh, the public the, the public and <laughs> uh, yeah, the governments and stock holdings are for yeah, most regular hard.
1: people not that important or, or am i missing something well i guess don't... they seem to be that important and if you look back at the past 20 years with an honest look you can understand why because it's also been driving so much growth economic growth and investment that i can understand they're nervous about a, a real stock stock market collapse and not because of uh, what happened in the early uh, months of corona where people are just very uncertain about what's going to happen and pull their money back now this would be people choose uh, an alternative, yes. an alternative investment that's not related to uh, the exchange. So yeah, uh, if only 5% of all stock owners start to sell at the current price, mm-hmm. it will go down more than 5% because yeah, it's, it's supply and demand. So if you dump a lot on the market, it will crash. So even 0.5% uh, interest rate increase, it only has to scare off a small amount of capital yes, in order for it to collapse uh, for more than the capital that left. So, yeah, it's a valuation, right? But, but from a society
0: point of view, imagine that there is a big correction in, in the stock market and it loses about 50% some, somewhere in that, in that order of magnitude. What would be the impact on the society? Because I, I'm not yet seeing that uh, clearly.
1: Yeah, yeah, who knows, right? I think the valuations have increased so much that it's hard to say what really the damage could be if they draw back a bit, uh, because in the end, uh, if you it, it totally evens out, right? And it will still be like a, a growing line compared to 20 years ago, even if it crashes for 50%. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. would still work. But the question is, how much did they use their current valuations to invest here and to buy uh, Activision Blizzard, for instance, for 70 billion? Yeah, amazing. eh? uh, The GDP of Bulgaria is exactly the same as... uh, And (laughs) their yearly profit isn't even close to 70 billion of entire Microsoft. No, no. So it's really weird that these purchases are possible, but it's basically only possible because of the valuation and because people are willing to finance it, stockholders. I think the, the,
0: the biggest risk perhaps of a stock market crash would be the fallout that it would have in terms of the perception of people That they would think okay the economy is not doing that well so perhaps i'm not going to buy a new car i'm going to save my money and of course that would have a big impact on many uh, many companies Uh, yeah yeah
1: definitely and there would be so many uh, defaults right two years in a row now there's been a historically low number of defaults because of the financing so if then the stocks also crash and people stop buying then it's the end for so many companies Unfortunately, that's probably the healthy approach, you know, to shed shed off all the near-death companies that should have uh, bankrupted two years ago, Uh, but that's the risk because then the economic hit of the past two years is going to fall. Yes, that's the fear, right?
0: And if companies go, uh, go bust, and a lot of people will become
1: unemployed. And for some, that's a very scary uh, prospect, depending on your position well, in the uh, uh, market. Well, for national governments, for one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're already so, uh, well, I'm not going to say the F word, but I would if there wasn't a mic here, so aft <laughs> uh, on on their finance that some interest rates from Europe, uh, the central bank, would already wreck their finance let alone the number of people that would enter unemployment because of those defaults. Spending would go up, tax incomes will go go down. down. The classic economic theory. And uh, that's, I think, uh, a domino effect that they're trying to prevent. But it's just getting expensive, more and more expensive because all these companies should have bankrupted by natural standards. But we're just keeping them up with financing. So uh, once reality hits, it's going to be harder than before because it accumulates more and more companies that should have been offed, but are still up uh, due to uh, uh, subsidies, yeah. for which there is no economic production as a counterpart. Uh, exactly. All. Smoke.
0: So, so one further uh, topic: uh, governments in multiple uh, high-income countries, the U.S., Japan, uh, Eurozone, they're discussing whether to raise the interest rates, yes or no. On the other hand, the People's Bank of China has actually lowered their rates. And have
1: yeah. you been following that as well? Yeah, yeah right. So um, Erdogan is, has also announced that he's lowering the rates again. Ah, yes. yes. So it's. Uh, I think in these countries it's very obvious that it's gone on too far uh, with, you know, uh, really low interest rates because any increase like they did in Turkey or like they tried in China, it just lead, leads to these huge problems that nobody has a solution for, like Evergrande. You know, people say it's not, it hasn't defaulted, but they're pretty much just dissecting the entire company while not saying it's in default. Also, uh, just a symptom of the like the, the huge amount of finance available for China in the real estate market, and they can't escape from it anymore because that that wealth, that that fictional wealth that they built, is going to collapse when you raise the interest rates, but. They kind of knew that all along, of course. But it's easy to do when you're the one uh, reaping the benefits. Yes. And then 20 years later, when it's really not working anymore, you can't pop the bottle because that would kill you politically. And I think that's also really important in Europe. Uh, and a reason why we aren't so uh, um, well keen on raising the interest rate is, you know, the political. Uh, uh, background and that uh, the damage from such a rate hike would be very different per country in the EU, which oh, would absolutely lead, yeah. you know to all kinds of political unrest.
0: And, and per person uh, as well, for yeah. some people it will be, if, if you are um, like now in a really good job and it's not that easy to find another one for you, then of course you are going to be very concerned to any economic uh, shocks, just one example.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and, and, and because it's uh, it's been so long, and because we're in such a unique situation, like with the inflation, uh, it's the uncertainty that also damages a lot, right? Like you said earlier, I'm just gonna hold off on purchases because you know I may buy a car, but uh, then uh, the the, the Volvo goes bankrupt uh, in a few months and my car will never be delivered. That's That kind of uncertainty can really damage the economy. Yeah.
0: Or you lose your own job and you're no longer able to afford that car. So yeah. you lose your
1: savings. Yeah, and you have to you know, return it and you have problems paying rent. And uh, well, if you have such a world for like one year, I think that, uh, the unrest uh, in every country is going to be uh, pretty big because that's one thing that I've not heard yet. I've said it before uh, today. We're talking about inflation, but not about inflation and 0% interest at the same time. Well, that's the real danger, right? It's just you're being uh, set on fire from two sides. From two sides, yes, absolutely. And that's a unique uh, occurrence in history.
0: Yeah, so just just to go back a bit to uh, the situation of Germany in the 1920s, what happened there, and it's similar to what is happening now, that people were not really aware that their uh, Deutschmark was losing its value, but they were just aware that everything became more expensive. So the food and the groceries were becoming more expensive. So people were asking for higher wages to meet those expenses and those higher wages were financed
1: through the printing press. So in the end, it was a vicious cycle, which was Mm. impossible to escape. And we see that now here as well, right? So that's a real danger that now that we've had 7% inflation and a lot of employers are promising, we're going to compensate, you know, uh, be it 5 or 6%. Well, if all that's going to be spent instead of saved up, then next year they'll have to do it again. So in reality, there's been a small decline, right, in purchasing power because they may be compensated now, coming year, uh, but uh, the inflation has eaten all that up already. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, you can compensate like uh, at the beginning of the year, but it doesn't... Take change. care of what happens right. in the coming months. Right, so. yeah. Right.
1: And, and because you're raising the wages, no matter how good it is, and it's necessary for some, uh, it's going to increase and, and, and throw oil on the fire for inflation. Of course. Because yeah. people will just buy more. Well, more Euros are chasing the it's same uh right. of goods. Uh, and they all have the new inflation mindset, which is well, money's gonna devalue at around 10% a year. So uh, <laughs> I don't want any of it, yeah. uh, and, and only interest rate hikes can really stop it. But it will damage the economy, of course.
0: Well, now we're talking about interest rate hikes and stock prices, and it, I think it's all quite technical and for many people a bit abstract. You know? But then we really uh, need to think about what practical effects are these going to have on, on people's lives. So just to get back to, to Germany yeah. for a bit, Um, So actually their inflation problem already started in 1914 at the beginning of World War One. So while in other countries such as Britain, um, they raised taxes to pay for the war effort. And in Germany, they didn't do that. So they they just borrowed the money to pay for the war, which meant that the mark was losing a lot of value every year, which had also a big impact on the morale of the German troops when they c- would come home on furlough from their uh, time at the front, yeah. they would notice that their uh, nominal wages as soldiers, which stayed the same, um, had a lot of lot less purchasing power. Yeah. So they were thinking, okay, if I'm going to continue in my current position, my interest. family is going to be very poor after the war. Well, if I would be now working uh, in one in one of these sectors, which are uh, uh, which have flexible wages, then it would be far better off. Yeah. So the inflation, it's it's sapping away at the morale, and it's uh, and it's disincentivizing people from continuing.
1: Yeah, definitely uh, on a fixed income. Yeah, yeah, because we as a society we consider money, you know, uh, the the reward for our productivity. As exactly. So yeah. uh, if we start noticing that it's suddenly losing its value, even though you have, you're still producing the same amount. That's going to cause a panic, of course. And I think that's totally the case here as well. Absolutely. Yeah, but all the people walking out of their jobs, you
0: know, like, uh, okay, now I have a fixed uh, sum every month. Well, it's becoming less and less. So maybe I should either uh, change jobs or start my own business because in
1: this way, I'm only getting poorer. That's what people are doing. Uh, I think that uh, the, 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 the number of companies that were created in the past year is also uniquely high. Uh, because people are done with, you know, being on the last chain uh, of income uh, where they are the, the marginal factor. You you're know? always playing catch up to the yeah, monetary and, expansion. And, and your, your employer is always trying to save money on you <laughs> because you're the most expensive factor in, in his uh, business, probably. So uh, I think a lot of people have woken up from that illusion that, you know, you'll be safe if you just work, work, work uh, and uh, aren't stupid with your money. Even though for now, if you've worked and worked and worked and saved up a nice amount, you have to put it on the exchange or you're not getting anything back and it's just going to devalue. So you're,
0: yeah, so but they have woken up from one illusion, but they've entered, entered, entered a new, other, il- new illusion.
1: Well, so. I think they've entered a new fear now, yeah. the fear of inflation, because nobody here has experienced real inflation. So everybody now is, how do I hedge my money against inflation? And the funny thing I read at uh, the back of the book that you mentioned, it said, uh, you know, they were going back to a barter economy. As yes, quoted, because point, money yes. doesn't have value anymore. And uh, I tell to people who ask me, how, how, how should you hedge inflation? Well, the only thing that's really useful is physical goods that are durable. Because you can buy them at a lower price now. They will retain their function and quality over time. And they will naturally uh, be worth more as long as it's a functional good that's high in demand. So that's the only like a house you know like a house yeah but i mean a lot of people are trying to buy these houses yeah and, uh, yeah exactly and cars you know and and, and and well gold uh and silver are of course you know the, the prime example of a physical good that doesn't lose its value yeah but which is not productive at the same time no of course gold has a certain uh, application but it, it's not traded as a productive uh, uh, material in that sense but uh that, that's why I think it's, it's, it's better if you uh, find new markets of physical goods, like uh, computer video cards, you know, if you bought them four years ago, then you can sell them for twice the price now, hmm. which is because, you know, because the physical goods are getting more and more expensive to produce. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh,
0: yeah, you see people being squeezed out of, of a lot of markets so I remember, like uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, they were having articles in newspaper like, okay, here you can still buy a house on a normal income. And right now the articles are okay, here you can still buy a house if you have double the normal income. Yeah. And there are even articles that say, okay, but a second-hand car, it's no longer affordable on the on the for Median the average Joe. For the average Joe. I mean, it's a serious uh, change in your life circumstances, right? For many people,
1: you have to adapt, right? Uh, It's no longer uh, a promise that you'll be able to buy a house and a car on a normal wage. Yeah, but that's just the result of uh, yeah. So people are uh, yeah,
0: people are quitting their jobs, uh, trying to make money anyway, uh, going into the cryptocurrency. Right, and this is one asset class which has already crashed in the last months and. Uh, The analysis I read was that because of the expectation of rate hikes, people are already getting out of this speculative class. Do you think that's correct? Exactly.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, I think uh, like we talked about before, the returns on safe investments are low. So people are going to look for other opportunities where the possible returns are high, even if it brings risk, because we've been taught since 2008 that risk doesn't really mean anything we can just build banks or whatever out whichever entity is in problem we can just build them out yeah and they're then... too big to fail so they will always right. say so probably. the risk on which they are punished will just take the punishment away somehow uh, so yeah that attitude has uh, uh, gone through uh, everyone and everyone that's uh, a bit keen on uh, getting high returns is going to look at crypto because the returns are of course really big even now yeah. if yeah, yeah. before it's, they were
0: but uh, right now they are really in the doldrums huh? the, the
1: yeah time, yeah so. but if you look at it uh, in like a 10-year line it's still way up you know uh, that's true that's true uh, yeah. and a lot of people they are believing in that dream like uh, if i look uh, in, in another 10 years it will have made the same search uh, as it were uh, but of course that's foolish to a large extent because because it's such a risky market
0: yeah, it's incredible that like just regular people with a normal job are now incentivized to take enormous
1: risks. Right. Because with just, their savings, hard earned.
0: Yeah. I mean, just doing your job and being uh, sort of prudent, that's not going to cut it anymore. Yeah, we, so.
1: we now have ads on TV, right? They don't even make any sense or try to tell you why. Uh, but that you say invest in Bitcoin? Yeah. Uh, and Don't be uh, the last yeah. one not to invest. Yeah, in. right. This is the moment. <laughs> yeah. Invest now, but not because Bitcoin is great or anything. Just because they know that the person's watching associated with Bitcoin. Oh, that's a thousand percent gains, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll invest in that. It's it's a Ponzi scheme in this aspect, and everyone knows it. But still, it's so popular, and that should say a lot about our financial conditions that people are willing to do that,
0: right? And just, just one more example from uh, from the 1920s, because I just started the book, but it's so fascinating that at some point one of the, uh, the main economists in the German banks also says, like, OK, we're in a really weird situation where every person I know is speculating with foreign reserves. Yeah, you know, so before that, I mean, regular people would just have their savings, but now everybody is forced to become a speculator yeah, to yeah. not
1: hold the cash in their own currency and it's the same here of course if you have cash cash is trash right so yeah. it's <laughs> always the pendulum between cash is king and cash is trash yes well if the inflation is high and the interest rate is low cash is way trash yeah. so they uh, yeah, are going to put it in everything but you're taking a huge risk because once they normalize
0: uh, the rent or the interest rate uh, policy uh, then cash is king again, because right, you exactly. will be able to buy all these assets which have now been inflated, so it's...
1: Uh, well, yeah, then, then the problem becomes how many people have gone on for the ride and uh, are, are uh, monetary leaders strong enough to uh, do uh, interest rate hike? Like, yeah, you're going to have to make a trade-off
0: and, and whatever you choose, the impact is going to be very and very large. Uh, yeah. Large and unfair as well. Yeah some people are going to lose a lot or gain a lot, depending on these,
1: uh, on these decisions. So it's, it's not an easy decision by any means. No, no and uh, it's easier to not act. So it's easier to continue in the current trajectory and not uh, deviate from the past 10 years. So uh, for now, it seems like that's the way we're following, you know, uh, just uh, not doing anything, uh, maybe scaling down these purchasing programs, but that's the public doesn't look at the purchasing programs interest rates the only parameter that they they might be affected by yeah and that's not happening so let's see uh, next year december (laughs) if it's uh, seven percent again that means like compounded inflation is like uh, what 18 percent in two years yeah i I personally hope they make these uh interest rate hikes
0: very soon and just uh, go back to normal as soon as possible but
1: i'm not sure if that's going to happen i think last summer was the best moment uh, to do it but uh, They've not done it because Corona was still an issue, I guess. It's true to some aspect, but at one point, uh, you know, you have to think at, uh, about bigger problems, which is uh, well, the economic illusion we've been under the past two years. And uh, we have to dispel it eventually. Uh, one uh, uh, area of inflation
0: which has been really top of mind is the energy uh, costs and the natural gas for heating uh, the homes, especially in these uh, colder uh, months. Yeah. And right now, there's a lot of uh, discussion at the EU level, like, uh, OK, we want to go green. But what is green? Yeah. And the French are saying, yeah, nuclear is uh, green. Yeah. And the Germans are saying natural gas is uh, green. And the Dutch are saying, no, neither is yeah. uh, green. <laughs> it's a very important discussion uh,
1: with uh, a huge impact. Yeah. It's very complicated. <laughs> and everyone wants their biggest energy sector to be green. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> And there is, there is no democratic debate, it's just uh, one country uh, versus
1: another one. Yeah, I, I, I'm really curious to see what the outcome is going to be, because I was actually really uh, happy to hear that they were considering uh, natural gas and uh, nuclear for uh, the label, because it means that you can put green subsidy on it. And that means it's very possible for all those billions that have been uh, uh, made ready for, for the transition. Well. In my opinion, nuclear energy is the way and uh, with that money available for nuclear plants, we could make some real progress. But as you say, there's been fights over what should
0: and shouldn't be included. For me, all of the green plans sounded very negative and destructive. And then at some point, the European Commission said, yeah, but nuclear and gas, that's also green. And I'm like, OK, it's well, a completely different story. Right, yeah. OK, I mean, so let's start talking. Right? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. No, it's really weird. Uh, but uh, I, I am a bit afraid that it will probably be excluded in the end. Because I feel like there's such a strong uh, wind and solar energy market or a lobby uh, being put into existence uh, in the past year. Especially Germany, which has shut down, their nu- is, has shut down or
0: is shutting down yeah. their nuclear plants. That would be a big blow to them if, if that is
1: now considered green. Yeah, all. but for France, of course, it would be equally... Yeah, of course, yeah. Is, uh, they have like 70 or 80% of their electricity is nuclear. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's uh, why I said, I mean, I'm really curious to see how it ends. But I, I'm not willing to place my bet or what, on one or the other.
0: Uh, and then there is also the geopolitical aspect of uh, Nord Stream 2. Yeah. <laughs> so just to give some background, you have the Nord Stream 1 uh, pipe, which goes from Russia to Germany and which can supply us with natural gas from... Russia, and now we are also building the Nord Stream 2 to increase the capacity, and it's just the last stretch which has not been completed. And, and now we're
1: all in the cold.
0: And now it's 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 very contentious because it's being linked with the whole uh, situation in the Ukraine, with the West saying, "Okay, but if you continue to escalate, we might not finish
1: the Nord Stream 2." It's easy to say if your uh, house is properly warmed at all gas prices but uh, it's something that we will only damage our own economy with uh, of course And Putin knows this better than anyone. So it's a very funny situation. Absolutely. uh, On the
0: other hand uh, Putin is also I think not as strong as he seems. No. He he made some ultimatums to the the NATO that uh, they cannot expand anymore, they cannot put their troops and any of the Eastern European uh, members of NATO. uh, To which NATO answers we're never going to agree to those terms. So now the ball is firmly in his court. I mean, is he going to be able to retaliate or not?
1: Uh, It's a bit... uh, Yeah, I'm also not sure. I think it's really being hyped up at the moment and uh, almost uh, drums of war are being beat. Uh, So everything that he might do will always pale in comparison. Uh, and, and will we'll sell it as a victory for us because he didn't really do anything. And I can see like a large scale conflict in Ukraine. Can't see it happening myself. So uh, it's probably just a standoff and let's see who has the uh, longest breath. Who blinks first? Right, and well, February is uh, the coldest month, I think, the first few weeks. And after that, uh, time is not on Putin's side, of course. So uh, he will have to, if he's going to do something, it's. It has to be now while the gas prices are so high because of the cold. I think he will have to do something
0: militarily, but he will try to make like a limited
1: operation. Yeah, that he knows he can't expect like a huge counter reaction.
0: However, I mean, you can start something, but you don't decide when you finish.
1: Yeah, it might get out of hand. How are we going to respond at the Crimea? uh, We were very timid and uh, uh, weak when we responded. So maybe we will not do that again. And it'll just escalate, right, to uh, warfare in the Black Sea. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's also the internal politics, which is very important, with, uh, of course, uh, Putin trying to bolster his popularity in in Russia, but also uh, Joe Biden in the US, who is also in dire straits in
1: terms of his popularity right it's lower than trump's at uh at his time in the office yeah yeah, they're both looking to score
0: yeah biden is being blamed for the inflation which uh, i think is unfair because uh it has been taking place for many decades i mean it's it's just now that it's really coming up up. but uh,
1: but politics will be politics right so
0: absolutely and as uh, bill clinton once said it's the economy stupid (laughs) bill clinton i think uh, The last U.S. president to uh, actually balance his budget. uh, (laughs) (laughs) He was the last one to balance the budget. Since then, there
1: has been huge deficits. It's been possible. So why not, right? Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, we're still uh, following what's going on. But,
1: uh, yeah, we don't really have a solution. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure if we're going to be ahead of the curve on what happens in one year. Because nobody uh, really knows anymore that point (laughs) what a wonderful time right yeah yeah exactly and uh yeah
0: as with germany in the 20s the sad part is that such a scenario can continue for many years so so the german mark started to lose its value in 1914 yeah and it took up until uh, 1923 before it like died and they had to come up with a new yeah, system they actually but, fixed it <laughs> exactly
1: but it can take years and years before a real solution is uh well i think it's the case for us as well people are not going to admit that uh, monetary policy for the past 10 years has been a disaster so we're just going to uh, go on steadily let's see what happens uh, in the coming year. yeah but just one uh,
0: positive remark it's always darkest before sunrise very true that's
1: very true (laughs) we're gonna see that interest rate hike eventually
0: (laughs) so yeah stay sane uh, everybody um podcast now also available on spotify if you want to listen to to it while you're driving or while you're doing the cleaning uh, and follow it for sure exactly also at uh, fire of europe still coming uh, with new uh, articles I actually wrote a new article uh, recently about uh, RT, the the Russian uh, broadcaster Mm -hmm. um, who actually tried to open a German language TV station, which would also broadcast in Germany. Yeah. And the German government said, "Okay, here I'm drawing the line, you know, if you want to have your YouTube channel in English to influence people, that's okay. But like a German language television channel on the TV uh, which is distributing the (laughs) Russian propaganda, I mean, it was hit too close to
1: home. uh, Exactly.
0: So that's also very interesting. Like, where are we going to draw the line in terms of foreign? um, What are we going to
1: allow? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's it's a very bad uh, development that we're rejecting any kind of information we consider wrong. It's just open censorship at this point. I think
0: uh, the decision which we need to take is that um, we have freedom of speech, but not for foreign state actors. I mean, there, there should be some, some limit there. Well, yeah,
1: but you know, it's Russia today yeah. and uh, everybody knows it's Russia today. So if people choose to listen to Russian state propaganda, I think they should be allowed to listen to Russian state propaganda. Many people consider CNN the same, but only the American version. Sure, it would be weird if CNN made a German language version uh, that they would broadcast there. But uh, who are you to say it's illegal? That it's like uh, a state actor, you know, uh, actively inserting propaganda instead of just a foreign. That is a fact, right? I mean, it is an arm connected to the Kremlin. Yeah,
0: it's an arm of the Russian uh, government. Yeah, yeah,
1: every big entity in Russia is, in the end. I think uh, that we should approach those issues more with like. Open uh, skepticism rather than just banning it outright.
0: All right, all right. Well, we, we won't uh, fully uh, agree, but uh, that's not necessary. That's no, not necessary <laughs> at all. No. We can all have our own opinions. But uh, if you want to know more, please check out uh, the article. Do you have any uh, further topics which you would like to address? Uh, no, I think uh, I think I'm good. All right. Then, uh, yeah, I would like to thank you uh, very much for your uh, time and the interesting discussion.
1: Thank you, too. It was and fun uh, again.
0: we'll stay uh, on top of it. Definitely. All right, to everybody listening, like I said, uh, stay sane and
1: I'll see you next time. All right, till next time.